I'm Lonnie Diane Rich, and this is How Story Works. discussions of conflict, we've been talking a bit about protagonist versus antagonist, and I think maybe it's time to take a step back and define our terms. It would seem obvious who the protagonist is, the main character. But as is typically the case with storytelling, nothing is really that obvious. So let's start at the beginning with defining our protagonist. A protagonist is, simply put, the main character, so you were right there. But let's extend that a bit to define what makes a good protagonist. A good protagonist has the following qualities. He is our POV, or point of view, character. He has an active goal. And he has the most at stake if he loses. So let's start at the beginning with POV, or point of view. This means that we're seeing the world through his eyes, experiencing the world as he experiences it. While it may seem that we're taking in objective reality while engaging with the story, that's not really the case. We are seeing the world through the lens of our POV character. So your protagonist is the character through whom we are viewing the central narrative conflict. Now note, I say we're seeing the central narrative conflict through the protagonist's perspective. It is possible to have multiple protagonists within a single story, but our main protagonist is the character whose goal drives our central narrative conflict and through whose eyes we are viewing the story. Some stories, many in fact, will have subplots running alongside the central narrative conflict that have protagonists all their own. Susan Elizabeth Phillips, a romance author you should be reading if you're not already, my favorite of hers is Ain't She Sweet, does this in most of her books. There will be a main story, a main romance, and a main conflict around our main protagonist, and then running alongside that, she'll write a secondary story with a secondary romance and a secondary conflict for a secondary protagonist. Also, you can have scene-level protagonists. Remember in episode four of How Story Works, The Unbalanced Force, we talked about Grace and Frankie having scene-level conflict when they wanted to buy cigarettes and the cashier was ignoring them? And while that conflict didn't structure the whole episode, it wasn't the central narrative conflict. It did structure that scene. Well, in any given scene in a longer work like a book or a movie, we may see things from, say, the main antagonist's perspective. Now, for the central narrative conflict, that character's role is to be the antagonist. But for the scene in which we're in this character's POV, seeing what they want and how they're going about getting it, they are the protagonist for that scene. Okay, did I lose you there? It can be confusing, but yes, any character can be a protagonist at a scene level with a goal that is structuring that scene while playing another role entirely within the central narrative conflict. Hopefully that makes sense. Let me know if it's confusing. For some of these episodes of How Story Works, you might want to listen a few times to solidify the concepts. Okay, so we've covered the first element of what makes a good protagonist, POV or perspective. Let's move on to the others. The second is that the protagonist should be providing the motive force for the story through her pursuit of an active goal. Remember PGAG? Protagonist goal, antagonist goal? Well, the protagonist should be actively in pursuit of her goal, thus providing the motive force for the story. Remember Hildy from His Girl Friday? 
It was her active pursuit of her goal to get Walter to sign the divorce papers so she can marry Bruce that launches the story and keeps it going. Often, protagonist problems stem from a protagonist who is passive and reactive rather than actively moving the story along. By giving your protagonist a strong goal, you keep her in action, and she drives the plot, just the way the story gods intended. So, we've got two elements now defining a good protagonist. We're seeing the world through their perspective, and they are actively driving the story's movement by pursuing a goal. Next, what's at stake? A good protagonist will be the character in the story with the most at stake personally. They have the most to lose. In the movie Dodgeball, the character of Peter LaFleur, our main protagonist, owns Average Joe's Gym, which he's set to lose if his team doesn't win the dodgeball tournament and get the money to get out of default on his loan. While we have a team protagonist in Dodgeball, all the guys on the team are personally invested in keeping Average Joe's from falling to White Goodman and Globo Jim, Peter is the one who owns the place. He has the most to lose. But if you watch Dodgeball, keep an eye out for passive and reactive. Peter is also that throughout most of the film, and it weakens his stance as a strong protagonist. Okay, so those are the three elements that make a good protagonist. He's our POV character. He's driving the story through active pursuit of a strong goal, and he has the most at stake if he loses the central narrative conflict. Now, let's take a moment to talk about the antagonist. I love antagonists. They are so fun to write, mostly because they really only need to do one thing. Block the protagonist. That's it. For an antagonist to function narratively, she just has to be locked in a mutually exclusive conflict with the protagonist. She has to be actively blocking the protagonist's progress, creating conflict, putting the protagonist under pressure, and forcing the protagonist to dig deep in order to win the day. This is why I love writing antagonists. There really are no other rules. An antagonist can be any kind of character you want. Funny, evil, even loving toward the protagonist. All that matters is that her goal is in conflict with the protagonist. The freedom you have to write and enjoy an antagonist is almost limitless, and there are a few standard flavors of antagonists that extend beyond the traditional bad guy being bad that can make them so much fun to write. Here are just a few examples of the kinds of antagonists you can write or identify in the narrative you're engaging with. The Benevolent Antagonist this is an antagonist who loves the protagonist, who wants the best for the protagonist. It's just that what this antagonist thinks is best may not be what the protagonist thinks is best. This antagonist is often a parent, a romantic partner, or a friend who thinks they know better and will fight the protagonist for his or her own good. Mother Gothel in Disney's 2010 Rapunzel story, Tangled, is a good example of a benevolent antagonist. Well, at least in the beginning. The Doppelganger Antagonist The Doppelganger Antagonist is an antagonist who is similar to the protagonist in a lot of ways, but because of one fatal flaw, sometimes because of one bad choice, he goes down the wrong path and ends up crossing the protagonist. Belloc from Raiders of the Lost Ark is an example of this. He's a secondary antagonist in the movie, but he's also an archaeologist, like Indiana Jones, interested in furthering knowledge and understanding through the excavation of priceless artifacts. But his greed gets the best of him, and he goes down a dark path. 
the sympathetic antagonist. This is someone who's just doing his job, a police officer, a health inspector, but the nature of that job puts him at odds with our protagonist. Remember when we talked about the scene between Richard Kimball and Samuel Gerard in The Fugitive? I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. We love Samuel Gerard in that movie. He's charming, smart, funny, and just doing his job. There's also another kind of antagonist that we're going to discuss soon, the internal antagonist. But that's part of a bigger discussion that I think I'm going to save for its own episode. All right, so that's protagonists and antagonists in a nutshell. And we're on to today's listener question, which comes from at Judyann Rose on Twitter, who asked, Do you like flashbacks or is the relevant information in them better discussed in the linear story? Well, this is a complicated question. If you've been listening to me for any length of time, you probably know that I view flashbacks with an extreme side eye because they tend to be the refuge of the insecure writer. Often, what happens with flashbacks is that there's some backstory, some history that the writer knows and wants the viewer or reader to know, and so they send us back in time to remember what happened so that we can exposit, explain, or motivate our main character. The problem with flashbacks is that they are an overused device. They tend to kill the momentum of the story, and much of the time, they're unnecessary. A deft sprinkle of a few contextual hints and dialogue will usually achieve the desired exposition without stopping the story dead while our protagonist stares off into the middle distance and we do a wavy dissolve into the past. That said, I'm not against flashbacks in theory. Sometimes a chronologically fractured timeline can be great for a story, especially if we're telling a complete story in the past timeline that can illuminate and recontextualize the present day story. Some good examples of well-used fractured timelines are the TV show Lost, the movie Out of Sight based on the Elmore Leonard novel, and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang starring Robert Downey Jr. I recommend that one. So I would say this, flashbacks used solely for exposition and info dump are bad. Fractured timelines with two parallel stories that illuminate each other can be awesome. I hope that clears up any confusion. And that's it for today. If you have questions you'd like me to answer on the show, email me at Lonnie at Chipperish.com or contact me on Twitter at Lonnie Diane Rich or at Chipperish with the hashtag HowStoryWorks. If you're looking for feedback on your story, I offer critiques of novels and screenplays. Visit Chipperish.com and click on For Writers for more information. And if you'd like to keep How Story Works in production and gain access to exclusive Chipperish content and a community of amazing smart people, consider supporting Chipperish at patreon.com slash chipperish. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.